More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are joined now by Senator Rand Paul, who I am told is with his wife right now, Kelly, who has phenomenal uh, taste, not only in who she married, but also in her radio show preferences. So shout out to your wife, Kelly, uh, Senator. Congratulations on re-election to represent the great state of Kentucky and as we yep, look Kelly, towards, yeah, Kelly's a big fan of the radio program, and she also a big fan. She follows Clay on uh, Twitter, and uh, so you can catch her on Twitter giving all kinds of insight and critique on a daily basis. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, all right, so we are uh, soon to be out of this lame duck ses- session, but I wanted to start with the lame duck ses- uh, session, Senator. It seems like there is a great deal of activity that is trying to be rushed through between now and when the new Congress will be sworn in. How nervous do you think Republicans should be about what is going on right now in the lame duck session? How much is likely to get pushed through? Where are we? Let's start there. If you are a conservative anywhere in the country, you should be worried and you should be alarmed that Republicans are going to give away the House. There's going to be an enormous spending bill by Pelosi and Schumer, and most of the establishment Republicans up here will vote for it. So if we want to have any hope of you know, trying to control this debt and this monstrous spending, people need to call their legislator and tell them, absolutely, under no conditions, vote for the Pelosi-Schumer monstrosity. It is going to be over a trillion dollars in new debt. It'll be thousands of pages. It's being written in secret. And it'll be divulged a couple of hours before we vote on it. And then they'll say, oh, take it or leave it or shut down government. But I'd say leave it because they're going to fund 87,000 IRS agents. And I think Republicans should fight. We should take back the power of the purse. And I think we should fight. I think our voters expect us to put up a fight and not to just roll over and give the Democrats everything they want. Hey, Senator Paul, it's Buck. What would that fight look like? Uh, where where could we take this, and and what do you, what would be in your mind a successful outcome here to stand and and hold back all this crazy spending and and the Democrat agenda with it? 
if 41 Republicans stood together in the Senate, we can stop any spending plan coming from Pelosi and Schumer. It takes 41 of us. But there's 10 to 15 of us who will vote with the Democrats and do every time. So really, this makes a nationwide effort of everybody determining who those 10 to 15 are that are going to vote for the Pelosi-Schumer bill and tell them not to. But we have the votes. It's like we are not a majority, but we have 41 votes, and that is the beauty of the filibuster. 41 Republicans can stop this, and then there'll be a negotiation. I think it should be a very short-term spending package, and then let's let the Republicans who were just elected to take over the House have some power, have some say in this. Right now, the big government Republicans are negotiating with Democrats to spend a year's worth of money, and here's what they'll do to the debt ceiling. You know, it used to be they would raise the debt ceiling by a dollar amount. Their plan is to do exactly what they've been doing the last couple times and raise it whatever amount of dollars can be spent in a period of time. So if the bill is a year's bill, they will say a year from now, you can spend as much money as you can possibly spend. There is no limit on the debt ceiling for one year. That is extraordinarily bad. This is a big, terrible deal. And people have to get rallied and say enough's enough. You Republicans say that you you are worried about spending in the debt, and yet you play games and vote for the vote with the Democrats to spend more money. So this is a big deal, and we do have the votes to stop it, but it would take 41 Republicans in the Senate with the courage to say no. Senator Paul, uh, there's also another very courageous thing that needs to be done, and I think you've been one of the foremost proponents of this. We need to let everybody who lost their jobs, certainly in the military, be able to come back and get back pay. Buck and I have been arguing about this. You've been on the forefront of making this argument for a long time. Where do we stand on that as a part of the Defense Department uh, bill, and what is likely to happen going forward in that negotiation and in that vote, in your mind? Well, the conservatives in the Senate, we led a letter last week, 20 of us signed a letter saying we won't vote to get on the defense authorization bill unless we have a vote first on getting rid of the mandate, the mandate that says in the military you either get vaccinated for COVID or you are discharged from your job. And many thousands of people have been let go. And every day new people don't sign up. I have a family member right now that would like to go to a camp uh, to prepare himself and to see what it's like to go to a, a military academy. But he doesn't want to go because he has to be vaccinated and he's already had COVID. And so this is the ridiculous nature of this. But 20 of us signed a letter, and then we heard the good news that leadership had heard us, and leadership was negotiating on our behalf, and that they had a deal that the vaccine mandate would be gotten rid of in the defense authorization bill. Then Biden stood up and said no, and the Republicans blinked. And apparently the story we're hearing now is that the military mandate to be vaccinated for COVID stays in the bill. And what people need to know about this is, Number one, the vaccine doesn't stop infection. It doesn't stop transmission. And for young people, they don't get very sick from this. It doesn't really affect whether they'll be sick or not. The last thing, and this is most important, the risk of an inflammation of the heart is greater for males 16 to 24. That's probably nearly 95% of our recruits are males, probably between the ages of 18 and 24, and they're at higher risk for getting an inflammation of the heart than they are for having complications from COVID. The risk of the vaccine for young males actually outweighs the benefits. And so the science isn't with them, but also it's deterring people. 
you know, some people have started to say that really this is a is a is a master plan for getting rid of conservatives and religious people from our military ranks, and it's a master plan for preventing them from ever joining. Think about it, and think who all the young people are who are joining our military. They're predominantly from rural communities, religious communities. They're patriotic. They're willing to put their life on their line. And then these woke folks at the Defense Department are now saying, no, you have to do as you're told, even though it won't prevent infection or transmission. Speaking to Senator Rand Paul, Senator, I'm wondering if, if you um, can weigh in on the reporting that, that uh, your colleague on the Republican side, uh, Senator Tillis, and Kirsten Cinema from uh, Arizona are trying to get some kind of immigration package through right now. Is is that is that just not is that a no go or is that going to be a serious thing going forward? I'm actually not aware of the deal that they're working on. I think it's very unlikely that any big things pass in this Congress. You know, come January, it's a brand new Congress. Congress. So all the bills start over in January. I think what's going to happen this uh, in the next two weeks before Christmas time, and then we're out for a week or so at Christmas, is there's going to be probably a defense authorization bill. My guess is that they will continue to have the mandate for a vaccine in the military. And my also guess is they won't allow any amendments from conservatives. So conservatives will be completely boxed out of this. I think they're also extending the draft to women in this bill as well. But the thing is, is they're going to do that bill and they'll probably do the spending bill. And I think that's all that gets done. I'd be very, very surprised if a immigration bill came forward, unless they're talking about next year sometime. We're talking to Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He won re-election last month. Um, The Twitter files that were released on Friday evening by Elon Musk having to do with Hunter Biden and uh, what what I think most people listening to us right now would agree is collusion between big tech and the Biden campaign so far proven. Also, maybe the FBI involved. What should happen? What was your reaction to those revelations from Elon Musk uh, relating to Twitter? You know, I, I love seeing the inside story of what, you know, the left-wing folks at, at Big Tech have been doing to censor speech. I have always been worried, though, about some conservatives thinking that we should regulate Big Tech and tell them what speech they have to put on their forums. I do think, though, there is an avenue for us, but the avenue is going after the government. And the First Amendment cases have shown there's a First Amendment case by the name of Luger versus Edmondson Oil, and it says that the government cannot sort of commandeer a private actor if they have, are working intimately with a private actor to have the private actor be sort of the surrogate that censors speech, that then they are acting as an arm of the government. This is what will have to be debated in court, but in Congress what I'm proposing is, is that we put limits consistent with the Supreme Court cases that say the government cannot collude with big tech. This isn't really so much a rule on big tech. Big tech will still be free to do what they want, but the government, the FBI, can't be having weekly meetings. And this is what's going on. The FBI is having weekly meetings, but it's not about preventing terrorists from organizing on Facebook. It's about preventing people from discussing the election, complaining about the election, complaining about COVID, complaining about masks, People like me who have said a million times that cloth masks don't work, that, according to the government, is disinformation, and that will be blocked. But once this happens, we're in a real problem, and the government is actively working with big tech to do this. We are going to get to the bottom of this. We are going to explore this. I've told my staff I want to know about these meetings. We are going to insist on the the documents that record these meetings. We are going to insist on being included at the FBI's meeting with big tech. 
people from Congress should be in the room. First of all, these meetings shouldn't happen. But if they're going to happen and they're going to completely defy us, then we are going to be present and find out what's being discussed there. This is a big deal, and uh, we're going to do everything in, within our power. I'm going to be introducing legislation that makes it against the law for government to uh, collude with big tech, not only collude to censor speech, but I don't like the idea of big government buying our uh, anonymous information, such as our buying habits. And then, and this is what I asked Ray, but he wouldn't answer, I think they're penetrating the anonymous veil of data and attaching individuals to it. I asked him this directly, and he wouldn't answer the question. But I suspect that the government buys up reams and reams of information, but then uses their databases on people to connect information and habits, what you read, what you buy, what you're interested in on, online is then connected to individuals. That absolutely is illegal, but we have to get to the bottom of whether they're doing it or not, and so far they have not been forthcoming. Last question for you, Senator Paul. Uh, runoff election. For people listening to us in Georgia right now, what's the difference in the, difference in the Senate between 50-50 and 51-49? It's the difference between whether or not I have a voice in investigating the COVID origins I am pushing hard to get Democrats to investigate this, but a 50-50 Senate allows us equal representation on the committees. So if you're a libertarian in Georgia and you think both parties stink, which is often true, and you vote for a libertarian, this time there's no libertarian. The choice is Republican versus Democrat, and I'm a libertarian-leaning Republican. If they want me to have more of a voice, um, it really isn't so much about the candidates. It's about which one is the Republican who's going to give me more power within the committee system, will make my voice stronger in Washington. And look, I'm an equal or ecumenical complainer about both parties and their spending habits, and if people People want to hear that, and many libertarians do, and many people who are frustrated with the system who don't vote, they need to know that a vote for Herschel Walker is actually a vote to help me have a bigger voice. Get out there, Georgians. Get it done today. Senator Rand Paul, appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Gun owners out there, if you're spending your free time keeping your skills sharp, you've probably noticed price of ammo is really high. Going to the range is expensive. I'm planning on doing a shooting range visit myself just the next few days, and I want my skills to be as sharp as they can be before I get out there and start dropping real money just so I can actually do the real live fire stuff. So how can you train safely from home? Well, with something called the Mantis X. You can now train without ammunition at your home using the Mantis X system. So many of the best shooters do the majority of their training with a technique called dry fire practice. That's what Mantis X is, a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. It attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. It's that simple. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes of using Mantis X. This product is now being used by the U.S. military and special forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. The Mantis X is a must-have for all the gun owners out there. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If there is one person who might have been on cable news more frequently than even Dr. Anthony Fauci, if you remember back to 2018, that person would be Michael Avenatti. This guy took the lib media by storm. They were talking about how he was Trump's worst nightmare, how he was going to bring down a president, how he was going to uh, be the guy that finally ended Trump's reign of terror, yada, 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 all that crazy stuff. He just got sentenced yesterday to 14 additional years in federal prison. He is a lawyer who at one point was being talked about by some Democrats with platforms and connections as a possible presidential candidate. He was, to anybody who was not suffering from end-stage Trump derangement syndrome, the slimiest, most self-promotional, bullcrap artist you have ever seen in your life. But Democrats, from the top down, the establishment of the Democrat elites, worshipped this guy because he was the he was the uh, the Ahab that was going to get the white whale of Donald Trump. Right. This was the whole 
the whole game, Clay, he stole millions from clients, hid millions from the IRS. He's already serving five years for stealing from Stormy Daniels and attempting to extort $25 million from Nike. This guy may be the worst lawyer in America, and CNN had him on to... They didn't just have him on as part of a story. They were like, Michael Avenatti, tell us about how you can stop Big Bad Trump and save America. They were giving him on-air back rubs every day. It was disgraceful. Not only that, Buck, they said he should run for president. They were talking him up as a 2020 presidential contender who was leaving Donald Trump uh, awake at night because he was so terrified of what, what Michael Avenatti was saying. And this is as big of a failure as I can remember in terms of someone that is brought on as an expert. I mean, it's fairly rare that you go on television to talk about politics and you end up in jail. That, that, that pathway is one that is typically not followed. And the, the would-be governor, would governor of Florida, Andrew Gillum, big hero to the Democrats, almost almost became the governor in 2018, now, in, now uh, facing, I should say, federal indictment. He's, he's been yeah. indicted for federal crimes. I don't, know if, I don't think he's been found guilty yet. No, but he was also caught at the Super Bowl in Miami, uh, the surrounding party of the Super Bowl, with, I believe it was crystal meth and uh, gay sex. Uh, like, they found him naked, passed well, it was out. A, it was a male prostitute and crystal meth. I believe Gillum is married, not in a same-sex marriage. He was found with a, a male prostitute, crystal meth. I think there was an OD. And then later there were federal felony financial crimes. Democrats were like, this guy should be governor of Florida, maybe president. These, these are the kinds of individuals they elevate. I just want everyone to know Avenatti, Gillum, real, real class acts. 30,000 votes from being elected. I mean, we're talking about now DeSantis ended up winning re-election by, you know, millions, I think, 1.6 million votes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he only won in the first place by 30,000 votes. And you can imagine, I think it's the most consequential election we've ever had in any of our lives for governor. Because if Andrew Gillum had won, he would have shut down Florida like New York and like California and then there would have been not a lot of other Republican governors who could follow Ron DeSantis's lead. But from a presidential candidate in 2020, CNN back rubs, as you said, to prison for 15 years. That's the Michael Avenatti story. Want to give yourself a gift that will benefit you all year round for years to come. A gift not only comfortable, but downright luxurious X chair. Look, I'm writing right now a brand new book and I am writing it sitting entirely in the X chair. Now, I can't guarantee that the book's going to be great, but I can guarantee you that when I stand up at the end of my writing every single day, I feel spectacular. Buck has an X chair in his house. He does the show sitting in it. This is a big, great gift. We talk all the time about people who give gifts for the holidays. A lot of you struggle to give the right gift. How about making somebody more efficient, more effective at work? Right now, you can get the best move for your body and your business. Go to xchairclay.com. That is xchairclay.com. Use the code FOOTREST22 for a free footrest with your order. Must order by December 20th to get delivery by Christmas. xchairclay.com right now. xchairclay.com. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, obviously breaking out the Christmas music as we move closer and closer to the holiday season. We hope all of you 
are having a good time and that when you check your credit card statements, you aren't too angry about the amount of money that is being spent on Christmas gifts. It's another reminder. You can go out and make sure that you are a subscriber to the Clay and Buck show. You can also sign up for the Clay and Buck VIP by going to clayandbuck.com. Lots of cool stuff behind the paywall there. And we certainly would appreciate your support throughout the holiday season if you are looking for a gift for someone who listens to the show. Now, I got to tell you, um, we were just talking about Michael Avenatti and our crew put together this clip. It's one thing to say, hey, they were salivating over him on CNN and MSNBC and our good friends at The View as well. But maybe you can just enjoy this next 30 seconds or so of exactly how much praise Michael Avenatti was getting. He's now in prison, potentially for a couple of decades. Listen. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenatti. Existential threat to the Trump presidency. Please welcome attorney Michael Avenatti. You got lucky tonight. We're back with attorney Michael Avenatti. He's out there saving the country. He's a rock star, I think. Michael Avenatti for president in 2020. Looking ahead to 2020, you're currently leading the pack among 2020 contenders on, on the Democratic side. What do Democrats value most? If they decide they value a fighter most, people would be foolish to underestimate Michael Avenatti. To me, you're like the Holy Spirit. Michael Avenatti's a beast. He's a beast, and he keeps popping Donald Trump and all of his folks in the mouth repeatedly. He's a beast. Michael Avenatti is a world-class scumbag, as we all know. And I want to note something, though, Clay. It's not like this should have been a surprise that this guy, he's a lawyer who rips off his own clients he makes mob lawyers look super ethical by comparison. You know, at least they're trying to help the uh, you know the cartel leader or the or the mob guy get off using the the law as a tool, not stealing from their own client. Like, is there a worse thing in the law than selling out and and screwing over your clients as a lawyer? I mean, that's that's pretty high up on the list. And and I just I just gotta say, people knew this about him. I mean, Tucker's been calling him the creepy porn lawyer. From the very beginning, normal people who did not have Trump derangement syndrome knew how scummy Avenatti was. I thought he was the slimiest individual. The whole thing. CNN, these people have no ethics. They have no honor. They elevate this guy. And do you remember what the whole thing was about? That there was a payoff of hush money that wasn't, it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't the allegation of the affair that was going to bring Trump down. No one, you know, that didn't, no one cared. Trump said no. it, It didn't make any difference. It was that they didn't put it on the campaign finance that's right. form. Like, uh, they really think that was going to bring down the Trump down. These people are, they're, we forget how crazy sometimes the biggest news channels other than Fox got when it came to Trump. They were Yeah, nuts. I don't remember exactly what she got paid off for. And I don't remember, it's was like it a catch and release? or 175 Yeah, it grand. wasn't very much money, but it was it a catch and release, like the, what they would call it, where she would sell her story to someone and then they would decide not to publish it. I don't even remember exactly. Or did Trump the campaign? I don't know how the payments happened. My point on this was, this is how desperate they were. And I do think that one of the big legacies of Trump is going to be, and let me, let me before I get to the legacy of Trump, let me mention this. New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, they almost all completely ignored the Twitter revelations that came out Friday as part of the Twitter files. Do you know the way that they covered it come Monday, Buck? They covered it by talking about Donald Trump's reaction to the Twitter files. You want to know how dishonest the media is? They would not cover, 
and this is one of the legacies of Trump, they would not cover the Twitter files at all but for Donald Trump's response to the Twitter files. The Twitter files themselves demonstrating big tech collusion and everything that went on associated with the Hunter Biden story, receipts provided, everything. That is a big, big story. The only way that these left-wing propaganda outlets would cover it is by connecting it to Trump. And that is why I think one of the big legacies of Trump, and there are many different legacies of Trump, but I think one of them is this politics of personal destruction, by which I mean, and we saw it on steroids associated with Brett Kavanaugh, if when you were a private figure before you became a politician, if you engaged in any kind of behavior that people want to attack years later, I think a lot of people are just over that. They're now on to, I care about the policies that you're going to put in place when you are actually put into office. And all of these sundry, sordid details, which frankly, almost everyone has something in their past that they could be attacked for. I think the average American voter has moved on from that. Doesn't mean that politics are still not going to be nasty and that there's not going to be a lot of that going on. But I think in general, people are just over it. Do you buy into that, Buck? That like, I mean, the, just... the thing about Kavanaugh, yes. and I view that as, as a Different transformative level. moment in American politics for millions and millions of people. Brett Kavanaugh was so manifestly innocent of the allegations, and the people trying to destroy him were so sadistically... Uh, disinterested, uninterested in the truth, they would say anything. They they were running around. The thing that was most obvious about it was they kept saying credible allegations. When you have no proof whatsoever, when you can't even remember the year something happened, when you can't remember the house, how you got there, why nobody else remembers, why nobody else was around, you have not a single detail of corroboration other than, yeah, this guy tried to grab me in a house 40 years ago. That is the absolute least credible of allegate but they all called it credible they all kept saying it all the time if they could do that to brett kavanaugh any single person listening to this right now they do it to your dad they do it to your grandfather they do it to you doesn't matter what life you've lead uh, you've led it doesn't matter how honorable you've been they will do it they'll watch you be destroyed in front of the whole country and they'll think they're the good guys that is how the democrats operate tying that in final election of 2022 They did it to Herschel. They came after everything in Herschel Walker's background possible. If you're listening to us right now in Georgia, Herschel Walker campaign just texted me. Turnout is higher than they were expecting today. They need around 1.2 million people in Georgia to go vote today. If they can get that or more, they're going to win this election. That's how confident they are based on turnout. Republicans show up on election day. If you are listening to me right now and you are in Georgia and you have not voted, This is your opportunity to send a message about those sordid politics and all of the attacks. And also, frankly, Joe Biden has a 40% approval rating in Georgia. I mean, 60% of Georgians believe Joe Biden is doing a bad job. Why would you rubber stamp him even more? You heard Rand Paul earlier making the case of the difference between 50 and 51. It's substantial. Go get the vote in for Herschel. Election results are coming in. It was disappointing midterm, I think it's fair to say. But if Republicans could pull off what is now an upset in Georgia, that would help to assuage, I think, some of the disappointment going forward. It would mean that the Senate was a total push. 
Picked up one in Georgia. Lost one in Pennsylvania. It's your last chance. Georgians, few hours left for the polls. We'll see what happens. But that is going on right now. And if you are listening to us and you have not made your voice heard, frankly, you need to make that voice heard. Take a couple of people with you. Get that turnout, turnout up as much as possible. Every other Republican candidate has won. This would be a clean sweep, eight for eight for Republicans in Georgia if Herschel could get it done. Look, uh, you've heard me talk a lot about the need for more testosterone in this country. Everywhere you look, manhood under attack. Overall testosterone levels in this country have dropped by 50%. It's how we end up with leaders, frankly, like Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden. We need more energy and focus. We need more vitality in America. We need, frankly, more, more of men being comfortable being men. And oftentimes that means more testosterone. They have vitality stacks right now. Our friends at chalk.com do, you know, look at the speed of which smart people have checked out everything about Elon Musk. That guy, he said the other day on his Twitter spaces, you know, testosterone's a really good thing. I'm paraphrasing, but he was talking about that. Testosterone is a really good thing. It gives you a great deal of energy for men. Go online right now if you don't have the same energy that you have in the past. See what all the buzz is about. Check it out for yourself. CHOQ.com. Again, that number, CHOQ.com. Don't be a beta male. Don't be a Democrat. Be a man with testosterone. Get 35% off any chalk subscription for life, not just for 30 days, for life. That is 35% off. All you have to do is go to chalk.com. Use my name, Clay, for 35% off. CHOQ.com. My name, Clay, C L A Y, for 35% off. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Usually at this point of the show, we might talk about something fun, a movie, sports stuff. Uh, yes, Morocco beat Spain. That's a big deal in the world of soccer. For those of you who care, which I still have no sense. I definitely get more complaints about any soccer talk we do, Clay, than I do uh, praise or approval. I'm just going to say that it's a lot more. It's just mentioning it, too. It's not like we're breaking down games. No, in I know. Detail. We're just like, yeah. hey, this happened. This is a cool thing for the men's national team. People are like, just the issue, Sexton. Tell Travis to lock it up, too. No more on the soccer. Anyway, uh, so with the just the issues in mind, there's a congressional gold medal ceremony for the January 6th police that just uh, happened a couple of hours ago. There's a lot of video circulating of it right now. Let, let's just first start with this. Officer Brian Sicknick died of a stroke. It is very sad, but he did not die in action on the 6th of January from protester violence. That is a fact. That is just what happened. That is the truth. And yet, even though everyone knows that's the truth, the Democrats keep saying police lost their lives that day. And usually Officer Sicknick, they reported, let's not forget, that Officer Sicknick, I remember this, Clay. I was live on the air right after January 6th was happening. We're getting facts coming in. The initial reports were that he was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. And And that was left out there for weeks, if not even, I think, a couple of months before it was finally... Oh, that didn't happen at all. So they lied about that. Democrats lied about it, used that. Remember, they they had uh, fences set up. It looked like an armed camp at the Capitol for months, for months. Well, they let him this. lie in state in the United States Capitol as if he had died there. Yes. Well, I mean, well, if well, I remember now they're correctly. doing a gold medal ceremony. Um, and, and apparently it, it is effectively there, you know, giving life in this, giving your life in the service of defending the Capitol. And, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell has said things along the lines of, you know, they saved our, they saved our Republic that day or something. So Mitch McConnell is, is, you know, dancing to the required tune, but representatives of those receiving, uh, awards at this gold medal ceremony, I believe including a, I believe there was also a member of the Sicknick family, but I'm not, sh- I don't have that video, so I can't see that video. But representatives of those receiving awards on behalf of Capitol Hill Police very pointedly refused to shake Mitch McConnell and Speaker McCarthy's hands. And I, this is what you get, Republicans. I don't know what else to say. These, the, the, whole, the narrative is that you're all insurrectionists. We're all in this together as the bad guys, the evildoers. Even Mitch McConnell trying to do his little, oh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. I really like the Capitol Hill police. They saved us that day. Uh, he gets snubbed, too. Humiliation is all that awaits them for playing along with the narrative that there were cops who died that day. There were no cops who died on January 6th. There was one female protester who was killed on January 6th. That's right. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed unarmed in, on January 6th. She was the only person who died inside the Capitol. And they have continued to spread the idea that there were multiple police officers that died that day. You'll still hear Democrats say that regularly, even though it's factually inaccurate. I have Gladys Sicknick telling a reporter for CNN why she didn't shake McCarthy and McConnell's hands 
they're just two-faced. I'm just tired of them standing there and saying how wonderful the Capitol Police is. And then they turn around and go to Mar-a-Lago and kiss his ring and come back. That's what that's what they think of, you know, uh, and it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're establishment Republican doesn't. Oh, no, you're all guilty. If you voted for Trump, you're guilty of the insurrection. This is how they think. This is the delusion. They wanted this to happen. Right. And uh, they wanted this to happen because the best way you said it at the time, I said it at the time, the perfect capstone for Democrats for the 2020 election was a riot. It didn't matter that there were six months of riots from Democrats all over the country surrounding BLM. It didn't matter that they were the uh, party of anarchy, the party of, quote, mostly peaceful protest. They got their riot that they could pin on Trump and all of us who voted for Trump. And they have continued to try and treat Buck January 6th like it's 9-11. In their mind, it is 9-11. Two-year anniversaries coming up in three weeks, whatever it is, they're going to treat it like it's 9-11. They did today. You know what they did, Buck? They released information during this event that they had forwarded their January 6th committee hearings on the Department of Justice suggesting that criminal activity had occurred. That was concerted. That was coordinated. They managed, unfortunately, to pull a tiny segment of the population away from voting Republican because of their obsession with democracy under attack January 6th. That is what they used. There was an error made. There were crimes committed. We shouldn't riot. Everybody who ever riots should be punished, as we've said for a long time, regardless of their political beliefs. But they are using this as the greatest political gift known to man, and they're not giving up on it. And the fact that we got Republicans who are participating in this charade is, I think, embarrassing. Well, it just does go to show you, though, that, you know, the establishment Republicans um, like McConnell and, and McCarthy, let's be honest, uh, they they think they're going to get different treatment, but they're wrong. They hate them just the same because they stand in the way of left wing power. Um, and, and now on to something left, uh, less serious, but somewhat related, actually. If you're a former Republican, which is what anybody who's turned on Trump, you know, that worked for him, all yeah. these people that built their careers by Trump giving them a chance and then in the White House, and then all of a sudden they turn around and they make, uh, you know, they re- here is at The View, uh, Alyssa Griffin, who is the, quote, Republican on the panel. So, by the way, Anna Navarro was a, quote, Republican for years until it became too funny and people realized that she's just a, I mean, she's the worst. But uh, they talk about toxic masculinity over there, Clay. Listen to this one. This is over at, I'm sorry, toxic femininity over at The View. Listen to this. I think it is real, though. We, we've come a long way in kind of critiquing some of the, the male practices that are not helpful and that needed to be called out. And I think that women have made a ton of progress, but we can also be each other's worst enemies. It's still the case, and I hate to say it, some of the worst bosses I've had have been women and sometimes colleagues in the workplace who are women. And I always think of the Madeleine Albright quote. Well, that's There's what a- happens when you work with Kellyanne Conway. No. I mean, well, I, I can't I, I really can get say a word this. in without you attacking me, so I wouldn't say this is a oh, I haven't totally Can, can I just point out, she, they despise her. And so she's turned her back on her own side. And she realizes, oh, the other side, they still despise me, actually, but I just I just do things for their amusement now on The View. That's what happens. Turncoat, don't be one. Well, The View in general, as we have established, is the dumbest show daily that airs anywhere in America, which is, frankly, 
it's difficult to be universally for anyone with a brain to recognize how dumb that show is. But the fact that they claim that they're not biased by having one person who is the conservative, right? They had Elizabeth Hasselbeck there. A person they had who Megan hates McCain. Trump as the conservative, who worked for him. Well, and remember, they uh, a couple of people we've had on this show, Lisa Booth and Jedediah Bila, am I correct? They auditioned and weren't able to get it, partly because I think they they're wouldn't get COVID shots. And they were not willing to bend to the will there. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.